0: If you aren't energized through the worship, man, you um, definitely got energized through that bumper, right? Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to have you here at RCC with us. My name is Paul, and I'm one of the pastors here. And in just a moment, you're going to have the privilege of hearing Gerald speak to us. Uh, shop till you drop it's gonna be an interesting conversation and make sure you get your talk notes out so you can be taking notes because you're gonna to want to do that now one of the things that has happened this week is some of you have been asking how can we be engaged in helping out those that were um, affected by the hurricane um, and I just want to go ahead and say first of all thank you so much for caring and being concerned and um, if you want to give toward hurricane relief you can go to our website and on the front page Uh, There is a place that you can give to Hurricane Relief. Also, some of you have talked about how can I serve? Well, we are partnering with Convoy of Hope in this process. And so they are establishing themselves in about four or five different locations. um, And they are already there. And so as they get things organized, we'll give you opportunities and let you know of opportunities where you can go and give of your time to serve as well. But I just want to say, hey, you guys have already had a huge impact because you have given already this week. Because of your generosity on Monday, we wrote a check for $25,000 because we wanted to just um, give to convoy of hope and help uh, just with a relief effort. So because of you being a generous church. Thank you so much because we were able to write that check when they had a crisis and send it to convoy. And we knew they were going to be on the ground. And if you were around uh, during the hurricane here, you know that convoy of hope pumped 160 semi loads through our Mariana campus um, in the back door and out the front and over in three months. And they'll be doing the same thing um, in, um, Louisiana area. And so just so you know, um, man, you guys are making a huge difference. So um, I just want to thank you for being a church that is absolutely generous in that way. Now, another thing that I want to bring to your attention is this is groups. When you came in on your seat or in your worship guide, I'm not sure what your campuses all did today, where they put it, but this is the season for sign up for small groups during the fall. And, um, Here's the thing I want to say to you. If there was ever a season where you needed to be part of a community of believers, uh, it is in this season. It absolutely is important and essential because one of the things that I know is that most people right now, they are feeling exhausted in their being and they're feeling eroded in their soul. And so on your campus, there is a brochure of the groups that are available I would encourage you to look through all the groups and see what the Holy Spirit may lead you to say hey this is the kind of thing that you need for your soul during this season I do want to point out one group that we've had a lot of questions about and I didn't mean to create confusion with it because it is a little different than what we normally do but on all of your campuses you'll see a group called revealing revelation um, and a lot of you are going, what is the deal with this group? Because, Paul, you're leading this, and it looks like it's going to be happening on our campuses. And it says child care and snacks are available, those kind of things. So here's what's happened. Um, one of the things that I've, t- I've just kind of watched over this pa- pandemic, coming out of the hurricane, over the pandemic, I've just watched so many people just absolutely being eroded in their soul, um, just exhausted in their being and saying, God, what do, what do we do? Um, How do I help this church as a pastor of this church? And so personally, I have for about the last eight or nine months... Um, just been leaning in doing a real in-depth personal study on the book of Revelation because God saying, God, you know, John wrote the book of Revelation to a group of seven churches that were being persecuted and they were in anguish and then they were in despair. And he wrote that not as a prophetic book to them necessarily, but as a book to seven churches saying, here's how you thrive in a world that is oppressing you and you are being persecuted, and you are experiencing anguish. And so I just went through the book, and I've just kind of spent you know, the last eight or nine months just going, okay, God, what would you have to say to us or to me? That's how it started out. What would you have to say to me? And I ended up putting a devotional together for our staff and for our elder team. All of them were like, man, this was so helpful because it just really changed our perspective. And so then I decided, okay, well, God, maybe this season I just need to do a study like this to take our church through a journey. And listen to John, who was a pastor of churches. And he just shares his heart of a church that was exhausted in their being. And he wrote it in their soul and gave them hope and encouragement. That's what the whole book is about. It was to encourage a group of churches to just hang in there and to fight and to move forward and to keep their eyes focused in the right direction. It's an amazing, life-giving book when you read it from that perspective, when you study it from perspective. So what I just said is, and I talked with our our leadership team, our elder team, and some of our uh, staff pastors and said, hey, what do you guys think? We just decided, okay, we're gonna do that. It's a little different, so on Tuesday nights, we'll come together at all of our campuses and um, I'm gonna do about a 30, 35 minute teaching from the book of revelation. And then we will break out into table groups. In fact, some of our small groups, um, that are already meeting, they're just going to come and be a part of that. Um, others are going to probably just form groups out of those gatherings at all of our campuses. And so I will stream it just like we're doing it right now. I'll stream it live and, uh, to all of our campuses. And here's the thing, it's not going to be recorded. Um, because I just want this to be a conversation. This is something that God is still developing and birthing in me. I think at some point in time we'll probably come back and record it. Um, but uh, at this point, where you know, if this is what God says you need for a group during this season, then you need to be here on Tuesday nights at 6:30. There will be childcare and um, snacks available for everybody on every campus, and um, love to have you part of that journey. Um, in fact, I have some people said, well, I'm going to be part of both. Absolutely, you can do whatever you want to do. Whatever you feel like God needs to heal your your soul and to renew your being and restore uh, your soul, I, I think that's what you got to lean into uh, during this season. So I'd love to have you be part of that. Um, I just think it's just a unique season. So we're going to do something a little different and a little bit unique. Have you ever seen us do a little thing unique or different at RCC? Uh, if you've been around here long, you know, we will do that. But I just, as your, as your pastor, I just felt like, okay, this is a conversation I need to have with you to help you have hope in a world, um, that sometimes seems so hopeless because that's exactly what John was doing when he wrote the book of revelation. So, um, Sign up for the group that you need. You can put whatever group you decide to be a part of. You can put that on the connect card. You can leave that laying on the seat as you leave. Or you can drop it in the giving boxes on your way out. Or you can stop by the gallery if you have more questions at your campus. And somebody would love to give you um, answers to your questions. And so uh, be praying and ask God what group do you need to be a part of. Because I think in this season it's more important than ever. So let me pray for us now. And then Gerald's going to come he's going to share with us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is present uh, in this world and you know exactly what's going on. And God, I thank you that as Christ followers, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, have surrendered our life to you, you're present in our life and you know what we need. So God, I just pray this we view these groups that will really help us to um, get clarity, your Holy Spirit will help us to get clarity on what group we need to be a part of and what conversation we need to be a part of, um, because, God, I just really believe we need the support and encouragement of one of other um, more than ever. And I also pray that as Gerald comes and just shares this timely message, I pray that you will just speak to each one of us the things that we individually need to hear and then how we can apply it so that we become more like Christ in our life and, and can truly be salt and light in this world in which we live. So, God, thank you for what you're going to speak to us right now, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey everybody, all over campus, welcome Gerald as he comes and speaks this morning. Brother, love you. Love you, buddy.
1: Morning, church. Now y'all can do better than that. Y'all came to the late service, so I know you're awake. I said good morning, church. Amazing, amazing. Uh, I would imagine if you're here this morning or if you're watching from one of the other campuses, uh, maybe you're nervous uh, for one of three reasons. Um, Either because you're about to go through a book study in Revelation and you're like, I've never even read that book, so that's intimidating. Um, Maybe it's because you saw the title of the message this morning, Shop Till You Drop, and you went, I really hope this is not going to give my spouse permission to buy things on Amazon at the end of this. Um, Or maybe you're nervous because, I don't know, you're a Florida State fan and... um, (laughs) You know, really, for all three of those things, there's no reason to be nervous. You know, you're going to have your pastor walk you through Revelation. It's going to be great. And we're not talking about actually shopping, and so that'll be fine. And if you're a Florida State fan, there's no reason to be nervous. You know the outcome. You lose. So, go Gators. Um, So, I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Gerald. Um, I'd love to pray for us, and we'll go ahead and jump into our message for today. Father, we love you, and uh, we're so grateful Uh, for who you are and all that you've done for us. God, I pray that in this time, you'd speak to us and that we'd leave different than the way we came in. Um, Yeah, God, we want more of you. And so we just ask that you would speak now. We need you, in Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to start this morning's message um, by helping some of you out. Uh, You can thank me after the service for this, but we're gonna start with a really simple question. Um, And the question that you're gonna answer to the person sitting next to you, uh, if it's your spouse, you owe me a big time thank you for this, is simply this. If you could have anything or do anything for your birthday this year, what would it be? So turn to the person next to you, answer that question real quick. If you could do anything for your birthday this year, what would it, what would it be? Tell the person next to you, not me. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> You're good. Good? Got it? Got it? Awesome. Okay, let me tell you how I answered that question this year. My wife came to me a few weeks ago. I turned uh, 32 on August the 18th. Um, And I know I look like I'm 21, but I turned 32. And um, she said, she says, babe, what would you want to do for your birthday this year? And uh, we have identical twin 17-month-old girls at home, and we just had another baby. She's seven weeks old. Um, And so with four girls in my house all the time, I get asked this question and there's a, a series of different answers that come to my mind, but there's really only one thing that I know for sure that I want for my birthday, and it's different than it's been any other year. And so I take a second, think about it, and I go, hey babe, if i could to have one thing for my birthday or do one thing for my birthday this year. Here's what I'd do. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd go downstairs, I'd grab a bunch of snacks, I'd take them back upstairs into our guest room, I'd bring my computer, I'd close the door, I'd lock it and I'd stay in there by myself for 24 hours. That's what I would do if I could do anything for my birthday. I'd watch Netflix, I'd take naps, I'd eat my favorite snacks, I'd order Uber Eats and have it delivered to the room so I don't have to see or talk to anyone. And babe, I love you with my whole heart, but that also includes you. I don't wanna see anyone for 24 hours. So I wake up on my birthday, I go downstairs, I get my snacks, I go into the guest room, and I spend the day resting, chilling, watching Netflix, taking naps, doing whatever I want. I've been thinking a lot about that day um, since then because I haven't had another one like it. And the more that I've thought about that day, the more that I realized what my desire was for that day. Like on the surface, it was, oh, like I just want to have a day where, where I can just like rest, you know, But the reality of that day was it was so much more than that. Like what I really wanted on that day was just a day to be a little bit selfish. I wanted a day to think about me and my wants, my desires, my hopes, my dreams. I didn't want to be inconvenienced with anyone else's schedule. I didn't want to have to do something for anyone else. I just wanted a day to be selfish. And the reason that that's bothered me so much since my birthday is because I realized that wasn't my desire for a day, that oftentimes it's the desire of my heart right? That I never really want to be inconvenienced by others. I never really want to have to go out of my way for other people. I always want to do what I want, when I want, where I want, how I want. Like, I'm just naturally a little bit selfish. Now, before you go judging me, let's be honest in the room. You are too, right? Because you want what you want. And you wanna go where you wanna go and you wanna do what you wanna do and you have your own hopes and dreams and plans and a vision for your life and for your day and you don't like being inconvenienced by other people. Like we're all a little bit selfish, aren't we? In fact, if you're sitting next to someone that you think is is selfish, why don't you just raise your hand real quick? No, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, (laughs) kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, we're, we're all a little bit selfish and it's hard for us to see it but it's easy for other people to see it. In us, Now, I was thinking about this, and, and I often get frustrated with the way that I'm wired, and sometimes I get frustrated with the way that we live, but the more that I thought about this, the more that I realized, like, this isn't necessarily our fault. Like, yeah, like, it's our desire, and maybe there's something we can do about it, but it's not necessarily our fault, because we live in a culture that leads us to selfishness, doesn't it? We live in a culture that leads us to be a little bit self-absorbed. We live in a culture that leads us to constantly think about what's best for us, right? I mean, we live in a culture that says things like, you do you, boo-boo, you know? A culture that says, do whatever makes you happy. I'll tell you the, the phrase that's become really popular over the last couple of years, live your truth, which can I just say, side note, this is the dumbest phrase I've ever heard in my entire life. Live your truth. What does that even mean? What if my truth infringes on your truth? Then who gets to live their truth? You see, the reality is truth doesn't take sides. Truth is a side. And we orient our lives to the only truth that actually matters and stands the test of time, which is the truth from the word of God. That is the truth. That's what we orient our lives around. And this truth will last for all of eternity, but our culture doesn't lead us to this. Culture leads us to what makes you feel good, what makes you feel important, what makes you feel valuable. Our culture leads us to a me-centric, self-centered life, self-absorbed life. And it happens to all of us. I'll give you another example of how I know it's true. Anyone in the room, like actually show your hands, anyone in the room ever taken a group picture before? Group picture people? Yeah, okay, so a lot of us, um, amazing. Who's the first person you look at when you take a group picture? Exactly. Yeah, we're all a little bit self-centered. It's funny, I was thinking about this and, and this illustration kind of came to mind. It feels like a lot of us are kind of living life with one of these, you know? That we kind of walk through life holding a shopping basket, and we walk through life as a consumer. And we take this thing with us into every relationship, every friendship, our marriage, our careers, our church, right? Come to our friendships, hey, make me feel like I belong. Make me feel like I'm accepted. Make me feel like I'm important here. We go to our our spouse and it's making me feel loved. Make me feel beautiful. Make me feel significant. We go to our jobs. Make me feel valuable. Make me feel seen. Make me feel known. We come to our church. Play the songs that I like because only the songs that I know are holy, you know? Paul, preach series that are relevant to where I am as if we're all in the same spot every month. Be aligned with where I am politically. See things the way that I see things. And if you don't, I'll just go to another church. See, if we're honest, we live a lot of our lives with one of these. With a self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish, and a bunch of other self-words that I can't think of right now kind of life. And go, give me, give me, give me, give me. Take, 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 take. Fill me up. Till our basket's full. And this is the life that many of us live. And unfortunately, this is the life that most of us will live until the day we die. And essentially, if I could phrase our life in one if I could say our life in one phrase, it would be that we shop until we drop. We take and take and take and take and take and take and take, and then eventually we leave this planet. Is this the life you want? Is this how you want to be remembered? Is this who you want to be? No, come on, you want more for your life than this, right? Right? And not only do you want more for your life than this, if you've lived like this for long enough, you realize this doesn't work, does it? No, it do not work for two reasons. One, because when you live your life with a shopping basket mentality, you realize eventually that living like that never actually lasts because you have to keep coming back to get filled up again. The concept of consuming is you take something, you use it, it's depleted, and then you have to what? Consume again. This is why your phone stops working every two years. It's not a mistake, it's intentional. Because now that you've consumed it and used it, they're going, no, 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 no. You need to keep coming back and keep taking more. And the problem is that when we do this with our relationships, we take and 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 we ask people and things and our careers and our church to fill us up in ways that only God can do. And it doesn't last. Because temporary things never lead to lasting satisfaction. So one, it doesn't last. The second issue is this, is that it damages others, right? Because you've been on the other side of this, haven't you? You know what it's like when their name pops up on the phone and you go, what do they want now? You know what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who takes and takes and takes and takes and never gives. You know what it's like for someone to always want something from you, but whenever you need them, they're nowhere to be found. You know what it's like to be on the other side of this, but my question for you this morning is do the people on the other side of you feel like this is what they get from you? We take and take and take and take, but done does last and it damages others. And this is not who you wanna be. And this isn't what you want your legacy to be. And this isn't the effect that you want to have on others. The good news for us this morning is that God in his grace has invited us into, for the Christian he has called you into, and he's demonstrated for us another way to live. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 3. It's this letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Um, And I love what he says, Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8. Uh, Paul says this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Let's pause there for a second. Um, I did a word study on this word, um, nothing. And it took me a couple of months to really understand what Paul was saying here. Um, and I looked at the original language in Greek just to try to understand, like, what exactly do you mean when you say, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit? Um, and what I found is that word, nothing, um, in the original language in Greek, it actually means, this is going to blow your mind, Nothing. Paul goes, ahead, there's never a circumstance where it's okay to live with a what's-in-it-for-me mentality. There's never a time where it's okay to live with one of these. He goes, no, 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 no. Don't do anything with that mentality. Don't live like that. Because you know how it turns out. It doesn't last. It's not best for you, and it damages the people around you. So do nothing out of selfish ambition conceit continues on and he says this. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking out for your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. So Paul goes, he goes hey guys, don't do anything with a what's in it for me mentality. No, no, no. Rather, in humility, think about other people. Place others above yourself. Don't think about your own interests. No, 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 think about the interests of the people around you. I love this because in this, Paul gives us really a definition for humility. And maybe you've heard this before, that humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Right? Humility isn't, oh, I'm insecure. Humility isn't, oh, I have nothing to offer. Humility isn't, I feel less than or unimportant or unvaluable. No, no, no. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to spend every single moment of my life thinking about what's in it for me. I'm not going to live with one of these. And so Paul says, hey guys, I don't know if you realize this, but in every relationship, whether it's with a friend, Whether it's someone you're dating, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your relationship with your employer, your company, your church. In every relationship, there's a table between you and the other person. And what we tend to do is come to the table and grab as much as we can. And Paul's going, don't live like that. He goes, no, at every table, you come with something to offer. And then he goes on to tell us where he gets this idea. Verse 5 in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used as his, to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." so Paul goes, hey, I don't want you to live with a selfish mentality. In humility, I want you to consider the needs of the people around you, and I want you to do it because it's something that Jesus has done for you. And if you want to understand the magnitude of what Paul is saying here, it first starts by having a right understanding of who Jesus is. You see, in our American culture, it's easy to think, oh, Jesus is just a really great teacher. I actually had a conversation with a family member a couple months ago, and And she looked at me and she goes, Gerald, I just don't understand like why we can't just take like the good parts of Jesus's teaching that we like and apply them to our lives and just like disregard the rest. Like, I think it's fine, you know? He's just a good teacher. He's a good guy. Like, yeah, some of the things he says are really worth listening to. Friends, hear me this morning. He wasn't just a good guy. He wasn't just like a cool miracle worker. He wasn't just an amazing teacher. No, 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 no. He had equality with God. What does that mean? Well, in the Christian life, we believe in a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, all equal in nature. And so when Paul says he has equality with God, here's what Paul is declaring. Jesus is God. He's the creator of the universe. The scripture says that all things were made through him and for him. That he sits at the right hand of God the Father. He intercedes on our behalf. He's the sustainer of the world. We are talking about God and human flesh. That the God of the universe would leave the heavens and come down to the earth that he created. And put on human skin and become like one of us. And then turn around and serve us. He washes disciples' feet who would lay hands on lepers. He'd eat meals with dirty sinners and tax collectors. And eventually, he'd take all of our sin to the cross once and for all. That the creator of the world live life like a servant. And I read this and think The only one who had the right to live like this didn't. The only one who had the right to live with a what's in it for me mentality chose something different. The only one who had the right to say, Give me, give me, give me, give me serve, me, serve me, serve me, serve me, serve me, got down on his hands and knees and washed the dirt off his disciples' feet. The only one who had the right to live with a shopping basket chose to live with a shovel and would leave heaven and he'd come to earth and he'd get to work on our behalf. And if the God of the universe could put down the shopping basket and choose the shovel, what's our excuse? What's our excuse for living a selfish, self-absorbed, self-centered life? What's our excuse for coming to the table and taking over and over and over again. What's our excuse for living life as a consumer when God's called us to something far greater and far better? You see, in all of this, Paul's going, hey guys, if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, live like a contributor, not a consumer. Pick up your shovel. Or as Jesus would say, my friend reminded me this morning, If you want to follow me and be my disciple, you deny yourself, you take up your cross. You don't live like a consumer with a what's in it for me mentality. No, 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 no. You bring your shovel into every situation. Can y'all imagine what your marriage would look like if you both decided you were going to put this down and pick this up? Can you imagine what your relationship with your kids would look like if you decided, I'm going to put this down and pick this up? Can you imagine the kind of friend you would be if you put this down and pick this up? Can you imagine the kind of employer you would be if you didn't show up to the job with the mentality that you guys are here, you work for me, I pay you, you do what I say, but rather you said, no, 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 I'm going to put this down and I'm going to figure out how to serve the people who serve our company to the best of my ability. I want to know their families. I want to know their kids' names. I want to know their pains. I want to know their struggles. I'm going to walk with them because Christ walks with me. Can you imagine being the type of employee who shows up and isn't going, I deserve a I deserve more recognition. I deserve to be a partner. No, 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 no. I'm going to show up and bring my gifts and my my talents to this company to make it the best that it could be. Could you imagine if each of us decided, I'm gonna show up to church and not go, hey, what songs are we singing? Hey, I don't know if I like this series. Hey, uh, small group, that's too much of a commitment. What if we decided, no, 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 no. I'm gonna put this down and I'm gonna bring my gifts and my talents and my abilities and my resources to build the church of Jesus Christ in our community. Can you imagine what your community, what our world would look like if more Christians said, I'm going to get off Facebook and put that down and I'm going to get in the church and pick this up? Can you imagine what our world would look like? If we decided to live the way that Jesus modeled put down the shopping basket and pick up the shovel. So the question then is this, for the next four minutes and 36, 35, 34 seconds, how do we go from here to here? How do we go from consumer to contributor? How do we go from what's in it for me to I'm going to serve others? How do we go from the shopping basket to the shovel? Well, the answer to this question actually might surprise you was reading a commentary on these passages um, by a pastor that I really respect, Dr. Tony Evans. And he wrote uh, this this passage that really made all of this make sense to me. And he said, the answer to moving from there to, to here, from consumer to contributor, from shopping basket to shovel, really is all around one word. It's this word identity. I saw that and I went, wait, what? Because we would assume the way that you get from here to here is you try harder. Friends, hear me the Christian message has never been try harder. The Christian message is you can't, but God in his grace did. And so this isn't a message about trying harder. No, that's therapeutic moralistic deism. No, what this message is about, is about getting closer, identity. Tony Evans says this. So, how can we adopt Christ's mindset? Well, Jesus could serve because he knew he was God. Service was never a threat to him because he never lost sight of who he was. He was never insecure in, and here's the word, his identity. He knew his position in the Father. And similarly, when you know who you are, and then, church, listen to the description that he gives you a saint. For some of you, you're still living with the identity of a sinner when Jesus has died for your sins. And he calls you saint. Does it mean you're perfect? No. But it means you have a new identity. A saint and a son or daughter of God that the God of the universe loves you in such a profound and ridiculous way that he sees you as his child. Dr. Tony Evans says, oh, when you get that, when you get that, rendering service won't be a problem. It's when you don't know who you are that serving becomes a problem. Because when you're unsure of your identity, you fear serving is beneath you. And that somehow you'll be taken advantage of if you serve. So Dr. Tony Evans, in so many words, simply says this: "The reason that so many of us live with one of these is because we need something. And the only place we know to find it is in other people. I need to feel love, so will you love me? I need to feel valuable, so will you make me feel valuable? I need to feel significant, so will you give me a raise? I need to feel seen. So will you only preach the series that I really need to hear? I need, I need, I need. So I'm gonna take, 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 take. Fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. And Dr. Tony Evans is going, guys, 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 if you know who you are in Christ, if you know that God so loved you that he sent his son to die on a cross for you, you don't need anyone else to make you feel loved when you know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, you don't need someone else to tell you that you're beautiful. When you know that you are part of a royal priesthood, you don't need someone else to make you feel accepted. When you know who you are in Jesus, he's going, you don't have to show up with one of these because you're secure in yourself. And when you're secure in yourself, you realize I don't need something from you. I have something to offer to you. See, you can't give to someone you need something from. And so the solution isn't to try harder. The solution is to get closer to Jesus. There's three ways you can do that. One is you need to get to know who God says you are. What I wanted to do was like, write up this whole list of all the verses that talk about identity in Christ, and as I was about to start doing that, I thought for a minute, no, 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 no. We too often show up at church and expect the pastor to give us everything, and then we take that information and remember it for like five minutes, and then we go home and go back to our lives. You know when things are tra- where your life begins to transform is when you get in the scriptures for yourself and you start to understand God's word on your own and it starts to become true in your heart. And so my assignment to you this week would be when you leave here, go get into the word and go, who does God say I am? and begin to highlight and underline verses that speak of your identity in Christ. If you don't know where to start, there's this amazing thing. It's called Google. You literally go, verses on identity in Christ. Print out the list, open up your Bible, and start highlighting. Start writing it down. Write it on your mirror. Know who God says you are. One. Two, you need to understand how God has gifted you. Because the reality is, is that every single one of us in this room has a unique calling and gifting on our life from God, and it is meant to be used to build his kingdom. This is why Paul, when he talks about the church, he references it like a body. He goes, yeah, Christ is the head, but each of us have a part to play. We're all members, we're all parts of the body. And so you need to know if you're a hand or a foot or a knee or a leg or a shin, whatever you are, you bring that to the table to build the kingdom Together, And then the last thing is you get around other Jesus followers, you get around other Christians, you get around other people of God, and you together pick up your shovels. Because the reality is you can only get so far digging on your own, but if all of us pick up a shovel, we can make a massive difference. And if we get to know who God says we are, if we get to know the way that he's wired us, And if we all decide to pick up our shovels together, y'all, I'm just telling you, communities, families, relationships, worlds change because of that. And I know because it's happened once before. I'm just telling y'all, persecution of the church is not a new thing. You know that, right? And this might be the first pandemic you face, but it's not the first one in the world. In fact, when you go back and you look at church history, it's in times of persecution and it's in times of pandemics. It's when the world is falling apart that the church actually grows. And so, y'all, I'm crazy enough to believe that the best days of the church aren't behind us, they're in front of us, but it requires us to all decide I'm not showing up with one of these anymore. I'm showing up with one of these. And it's time to get to work, and it's time to rebuild our marriage. And it's time to figure out our relationship with our kids. And it's time to serve our community. It's time to build the church. The best days are ahead, but it takes each and every one of us picking up one of these. And it starts with every one of us, knowing how God, who God says we are, knowing how God has wired us and getting around other people who are doing the same. Church, let's be people of the shovel. Let's not be people of culture. Amen? Father, we love you. And we thank you that you've modeled this for us. God, I love that about you. You have never called us to do something that you were not willing to do for us. And so I thank you that Jesus modeled for us what humility means. He modeled for us what it meant to serve. And he calls us into a life of self-denial and sacrifice. And following him, to be the people he's called us to be. And so God, I pray for every single one of us in the room that we would leave our shopping baskets here, and we'd pick up a shovel on the way out, and we'd begin to contribute in every area of our life, and ultimately we'd be contributors in the kingdom of God. We love you, and we thank you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hey, I love you guys. We will see you back here next week. Have a great week.